Omega Man Radio has been commissioned to invade deep into enemy territory, drive out the hosts of hell, and take back the land. Our mission is to preach Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who is the only name written under heaven by which men might be saved. Cast out demons and pray for the sick that they may be healed in Jesus' name. If this program is a blessing to you and you would like to take part in this harvest of men's souls, join with us and attack the hosts of hell by donating any amount online at www.omegamanradio.com. Are you ready? Ready to take a ride? Grab your coffee and strap yourself in. If you listen, I can hear God's plan. Because the show is about to begin. You're listening. You're listening to the Omega Man Radio Network. Good afternoon. How are you? It's morning here, sir. All right. What time is there your time? Are you at uh, 9.08 a.m.? Yes, sir. Okay. 9.08. So um, I would consider you Pacific time, although you're in Arizona, right? So yeah. You, okay. All right. We're on deal. Pacific time half the year, and then the other half we go to Mountain. That's why I do everything according to East Coast time. I just let people do their own calculations. <laughs> well, Arizona is worse than everybody else because we don't go to daylight saving because we don't want to save any daylight during the summer. It's so hot here. It's scary. <laughs> My goodness. Oh, I, I can imagine. Lord have mercy. Do you ever have any rattlesnakes try to crawl up into the engine compartment on your car? <laughs> no. I had a friend who lived in Arizona. He said, yeah. He opened his hood sometime. There'd be a snake in there. Yeah, and they had to right. put like nets or something over the engine. I thought, man, now that's that's pretty freaky. I don't want to run yeah. into one of those. <laughs> Lord have mercy. Although I did um, I did block my um, outlets in the showers because uh, we do have a real possibility of cobras crawling up. And I was on the toilet one day and saw something black come up out of the drain. Wow. And I shot it with a water hose and went right back down the thing. Freaked me out. And I went on the hunt to try to block those things. So I think I'm in good shape now. But imagine sitting on a toilet... And a cobra come up out of your shower. No. Yeah. We don't yeah. have those it's here. Freaky. Oh my goodness, God Emmer. But you got tarantulas down there, I heard. Oh boy, yeah, lots of those. No, you keep those. I don't want any of those bad boys. Everybody, welcome aboard. Uh we're excited to be here with Michael W. Smith. Hardcore Christianity going on down there in Arizona. What city in Arizona are you located, Michael? We're in uh, near the downtown area in Phoenix. Oh, that's a great area. Okay. Now, you broadcast your services online. Tell people about that. Yeah. Uh, all my uh, services, we have two live services every week, Thursday and Friday nights at 7 p.m. Pacific time. 
And then those are all broadcast live on several platforms, uh, including youtube.com slash houseofhealingaz. And then we broadcast on uh, several other platforms, BitChute and so on. And then Wednesday and Thursday nights, we have Zoom deliverance services. Tuesday nights is for the ladies. That's at uh, 6.30 p.m. Pacific time. And then Wednesday night is for everybody at 6 p.m. Pacific time. And uh, if you send me an email, mike at hardcorechristianity.com, I'll send you the uh, password and the code for the two uh, Zoom services every week. Fantastic. We'll get that out again later. Brother Mike, you want to open us in prayer? And the mic is yours. Well, thank you. Father God, uh, once again, it's a privilege to be on Omega Man with Shannon. And uh, um, I know that you're going to be uh, blessing the listeners today. And you're going to bless your word. So I'm looking forward to it. Thank you, dear Lord. Amen. My friend, take it away. Welcome back. Well, thank you. Uh, as, uh, as I've mentioned several times before, uh, I, I'm actually not a minister. I'm a, I'm a counselor by trade. And for 25 years, I was a secular counselor. And then after that, I transitioned out of that after I turned my life over to the Lord. I transitioned into Christian counseling. And then the natural thing developed after that. I got involved in inner healing and uh, deliverance exorcisms and so on. And I've been doing that for years and years now. But back in the 15 or 20 years ago, uh, I got a series of revelations from God. And uh, probably, probably the most important one I got, I wanted to share with you today. Uh, I was astounded at it when it finally came through my thick skull. And uh, if you've ever had a situation where you wonder why Christians can't get their prayers answered, or you wonder why uh, people have different levels of anointing, or you wonder why some people seem so easy to get a prayer answered and the vast majority of Christians find it so hard, or you've ever wondered why some people have these really fantastic gifts and the vast majority of Christians don't have any. Well, that bothered me for years. I was in the, I came out of the Assembly of God uh, denomination. And I noticed every once in a while we'd have an evangelist come through that had a, you know, a really powerful anointing for something, you know, prophecy or healing or something like that. But generally speaking, the regular person that went to an Assembly of God church, you know, didn't have any of those kind of anointings. I couldn't, I was always very confused about that. And uh, I spent some time seeking the Lord and praying for revelation here because I wanted to know what the difference was between people who had these wonderful anointings and the vast majority of Christians that don't have, have little to zero anointing. And God revealed it to me. I wanted to share it with you today. Uh, this could possibly be one of the most important Bible studies you'll ever hear in your life. It was for me. And uh, I'm going to do my best to share it with you today. If you go to Mark chapter 11, you'll read a section of text that uh, virtually everyone has read. Almost every Christian has read this section of text. You remember the story. Jesus was uh, passing passing through to Jericho, and he was exhausted and starving. 
So he goes up to a fig tree. It was fig season. He looks in the fig tree, shuffles around through the leaves. There's no figs on it. And he looks at the tree and then places a curse on the tree. He places a curse on the fig tree. We didn't say anything, but we knew what he was doing. In the back of his mind, he was, he was thinking, well, this fig tree's jacked up. But I'm going to use this as a teaching tool. Jesus, Jesus routinely did that when his uh, circumstances and his environment went a certain way. He would go with it and uh, come up with this absolutely brilliant teaching associated with it. And he does it here too. Uh, karaomai is the Greek word for curse. And it's something that someone does who has spiritual powers, good or bad. And they use their uh, language to uh, execrate or to place a uh, spiritual condition of doom on something or someone. If you go to a witch doctor, uh, they can put curses on people because they have, if they're legitimate, they have real spiritual power and they, they can put curses on people. People come to them and pay them. Uh, money for curses on on people they hate, their enemies, and so on. And if there's an opening, the curse lands on the person. If there's not an opening, as it says in Proverbs, uh, curses don't land on you. But the vast majority of people have openings. So curses are extremely dangerous, and they're very real. But they're they're accomplished auditorily. They're accomplished verbally. And so Jesus speaks, uh, he ex- execrates this tree. He places a, a curse of doom on this tree. And the next day or so, they come back through. And Peter pipes up and he says, wow, Master, uh, that tree you cursed. Yeah, actually in the Greek he said, Rabbi, or Rabbi. Rabbi, that tree you cursed the other day, look, it's it's withering away and it's withering from the roots up instead of like a normal tree would from the branches down. And then Jesus says this, everybody's read this. He turns to Peter and he says, have faith in God. This is a King James Version I'm reading out of, but what in the Greek text it actually says, "Theo," which means have the faith of God, which on the surface of it, appears to be an insane statement. How in the world could a human being have the faith of God? Well, he goes on to explain it. He says, I truly say to you, whoever shall say, that's the Greek word, epo, it means to speak to. Whoever speaks to this mountain, he points there, over here, he's pointing at a mountain, he says, and he says, be removed. Okay, that's the Greek word, iro, that means to, to pick up and get rid of, but in this case, he's telling the mountain to get rid of itself. He points at it, and he says, be removed and be cast into the sea. And he says, anybody who does that, your mountain will remove itself and be cast into the sea, but 
there's a caveat to this verse. And the danger of getting involved with word of faith preachers is that they don't give you the tail side of the coin. They only give you the head side. Uh, word of faith teaching does not work. It's basically a false doctrine. Jesus says, if you speak to this mountain and tell it to cast itself into the sea, and if you don't doubt, and you shall not doubt in your heart, but shall believe that those things which you said, lego is the Greek word, that means to speak out, shall come to pass. What you said shall come to pass. And you shall have whatever you, Epo, spoke to. Now, the killer in that verse is, shall not doubt. And if you'll notice, there's a, there's a conjunction in that verse, and. Greek word chi is and, that's a conjunction. That means the first part of the verse, section of text, is connected to the second section of text. Verily I say to you, whosoever shall say or speak to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart. Then there's another conjunction in the text. But, but, Allah is the Greek word. It means but, that's a conjunction. That means the f previous section of text is connected to or interwoven to the next section of text. But shall believe that those things which he said shall come to pass, he shall have whatever he said. Now the Greek word for doubt here is the Greek word diakrino, which means to vacillate between one thing and another thing. This thing or that thing. Those things or these things. Back and forth. Shall I use this one or that one? Shall I buy this one or that one? Shall I give this one or that one? Shall I do this? Let's see. If I do this one, that's good, but here's the drawbacks. If I do this one, that's good, but here are the other drawbacks. This and that, that and this. Someone who vacillates. And Jesus said, if you vacillate when you speak to your mountain, the mountain will not move. The mountain will not move. Then he says, with another conjunction, you have to believe that those things will come to pass. The Greek word for believe there is pistuo, which is the Greek verb for Faith, or pistis. Pistis is the Greek word for faith in the King James Bible. That's what it's translated as, faith. And it means to believe without vacillating, without doubting. Zero doubts. Zero unbelief. Pistis. Pistuo is the verb of the noun pistis, and that means to step out on your faith and put it into action. Preacher, some old-time preachers called it stepping out on your faith. So you can see here 
why most Christians don't have any anointing and don't get their prayers answered. It's, it's pretty specifically stated. If you say something, if you pray something, and you have any form of doubt in your prayer, or you're vacillating, in the name of Jesus, I command my body to heal. But if it doesn't, I've got a doctor's appointment Thursday. If you have any vacillation when you speak to your mountain, your mountain will not move. Then a mic drop occurs next. Verse 24, therefore I say to you, what things, whatever you desire, when you pray, believe, pistuo, believe that you receive them. You shall have them. Now here he says it again, only he words it differently. Whatever things you desire. Now that is the Greek word, aiteo. And that's a different Greek word for wanting to want something or to desire something. Aiteo means that you're asking for something you were already told you could have. You were already told you could have it. Okay? For example, uh, you worked 40 hours this week and you go into the office to pick up your check. Okay, you're not you're not going into the office to beg them to pay you. You're going into the office because the company said that if you work 40 hours a week, you get paid, period. So you're going in there to ask for your check because the money is yours. That's your check. You're not begging or praying for it. You're going in and asking for it because it's already yours. Then Jesus said, when you pray, believe that you receive it. Same Greek word, pistuo. What's he saying there? He says, if God promised it, which we know that all the promises of God in Christ are yes and amen. That's what the Bible says. All the promises in the living Christ are yes and amen. If God said yes, you don't pray and beg for it. You just simply go in and ask for it and get it because it's your money. It's your check. Whatever thing you, things you desire, Iteo, believe, pistuo, step out as if you had it before you get it. You ask for something that's already yours, that was already promised to you and already told you you could have it. Your employer said, hey, you put in 40, come in and get your check. Okay. Hi, I'm, I'm Bob. I'm, I'm Sally. I'm here to pick up my check. Oh, here it is. They pull it out of the drawer and they hand it to you. No begging, no praying, no nothing. I tell. And then Jesus drops a bomb on us, Hiroshima here, verse 25, which is a stone-cold killer. He said, when you stand praying, forgive. Now, this Greek word here for forgive is aphiomi. It means to release. It's a Greek verb. To release. If you have ought 
against anyone. Ought is the Greek word itis, and it means some type of negative emotional or mental thing you have against someone. So what Jesus is saying here, and what teaches churches don't cheat, ever teach, is that forgiveness is not enough. You can forgive someone, which is a state of your will, and in a, and in a state of a decision of your free will. I forgive them. I choose to forgive them. But that isn't enough. And the fact that churches don't explain to people that forgiveness is not enough, they don't understand why people can't get their prayers answered, they can't get healed, they can't get delivered from demons, because you can forgive someone and still have ought against them, ITs. You can still have bad feelings, chronic negative thoughts, negative emotions against that person. Why is that? Well, it's perfectly normal. If you were sexually abused or you were beaten or you were subject to severe verbal abuse as a child or somebody raped you uh, or you got date raped and so on, on down the line, if you got severe abuse, it's human nature to feel bad about that person and not want to have anything to do with them again. But the problem is in Christianity, having bad feelings about that person because of what they did to you, they wronged you, they betrayed you, they backstabbed you. By having those negative emotions and those chronic repetitive negative thoughts about that person, you have ought. And Jesus said, when you stand praying, release, if you have ought against anyone, so that your father which is in heaven, may forgive, a family, release you from your trespasses. Mark eleven twenty five, Paroptima is the Greek word for trespasses there, and it means the things that you have done and failed at, your screw-ups, your, your losses, your defeats, um, all the stuff that, you and I as human beings get involved in in life. We tried this thing and it fails. We tried that and you screwed it up. You did this and you forgot it and it went bad. Paroptima, trespasses. And then he says something horrible. If you do not forgive a family, release your ought for that person, neither will your father in heaven Release you from your paroptima trespasses, failures, and screw-ups. You can see here how most born-again Christians have lost their anointing or their anointing doesn't grow very fast or grow very much because they still have negative emotions and thought patterns for an abuser from their past. Somebody hurt them, and they chose to forgive them, but they never released the ought for them out of their soul. It never came out of their soul. And the person is seeing their prayers blocked. You can also see in the, here in this text that to have faith and doubt not guarantees you your mountain will remove. But, Jesus said, if you diacrino, 
if you vacillate, if you have doubts, your mountain will not go anywhere and you have to live with it. You got to learn to live with it. You got to learn to live with it. And that's what Christians do. They adapt, they improvise, they learn to live with it. Because when you pray, if you mix in any doubt, it contaminates your pistis and causes it to be null and void. This is the nightmare of the Word of Faith movement. If you teach someone that they have, all they have to do is speak to this and blab it out, you're teaching them a false doctrine and creating hope and then chronic discouragement in the Word of God. You're actually damaging the Word of God by teaching, blabbing out Word of Faith phrases. Just memorize the scripture and blab it out. Keep blabbing it until you believe it. Blah, 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 blah. That doesn't work. Because if you leave any doubt in there of any kind, it blocks the miracle. It doesn't work. Truly I say to you, whatever you say to this mountain, you speak to it. You tell it to remove and be cast into the sea. And, there's a conjunction there, shall not doubt diacrino, vacillate back and forth in your heart. See, God knows your heart. He's reading your heart. Demons know your heart too. They can read your heart. They know whether you're believing it or not. All right, a couple quick examples. And you've got Smith Wigglesworth. He's in the auditorium, and a family brings in that guy dying of stomach cancer. He's got a few hours to live. They brought him by ambulance. You remember the story. They cart him in there on a stretcher. His wife's, his wife's panicking. She's got fear demons. She's panicking, and she's hysterical. Please be gentle with him. Please, please, please don't jostle him. Please don't hurt him. Please, Wigglesworth looks at the guy on the cot. And he says, cancer, I curse you. Come out. And takes his fist and whacks the guy in the stomach. His wife is standing there and she starts screaming. Ah, you killed him. You killed my husband. They take him out of the auditorium. They put him back in the ambulance. They're racing to the hospital. The guy sits up on the way to the hospital Completely healed. No cancer. What happened there? Wigglesworth had powerful prayers? No. Wigglesworth had read this verse, and he believed it the way I'm explaining it. And he did pistuo. He he nodded up his fist, and he raised his fist, and bang! Came down on the guy's stomach. He was... Stepping out on his faith because he had no doubts whatsoever. So he stepped out on his faith and the guy was healed before he was healed. See, you have to step out on your faith before the answer comes or before 
the answer has been completed. You just believe it and you know it and you have no doubts that aren't belief and you step out and then you kill it. Now, the great apostle James taught this exact same doctrine, only he worded it differently. It's really fascinating. Verse 5, James chapter 1. James was Jesus' half-brother. James says, hey, listen, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and does not upbraid them, and it shall be given to you. Now, if you break down that verse, it's really interesting. You're asking God for wisdom. Same Greek word, ask, iteo. You're, you, you've come to get something that God already told you you could have. God offers and gives through Christ all of his children wisdom. But you've got to come take it because it's your check, it's your money, you already work 40 hours. You're just there to pick up your check. God already said you could have it. I tell I've come for my wisdom. And it says God gives to all Christians liberally. And it means, that Greek word there, hapless, means bountifully, overflowingly, huge. He gives to, gives to people huge, and he does not upbraid them. Anadizo means to verbally castigate or verbally abuse them. You know, like uh, saying something negative, like, what do you want wisdom for? I told you you could have it. Where you been? You should already have wisdom. He never does that. He always comes back with something positive to help us come and ask for stuff that he told us we could already have. And James says, it shall be given him. But, yeah, but, there's a conjunction there in verse 6. But, Allah, but, but let him ask in faith, pistis, nothing wavering, wavering, same Greek word, diacrino, to vacillate back and forth. Nothing, no vacillating, no vacillating, none at all, zero, zero percent. And James says, for he that wavers or vacillates, diacrino, goes from one judgment to the other, back and forth, in and out, up and down. That person is like a wave of the sea, driven by the wind tossed around. And in verse 7 is the mic drop. Let not that man think that he shall receive anything from the Lord. For a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. What's he talking about here? Spiritual ways. Double-minded is a Greek word that means dipsychus. It's only used twice in the New Testament, and it's only used by James, the Lord's half-brother. It's not found in any other book. A dipsychus in Greek means somebody that has two souls. Now, there are levels of people being a dipsychus. For example, someone that has severe dipsychus would be an example of schizophrenia, 
dissociative identity disorder, severe bipolar, you know, borderline personality disorder, severe psychosis, those kinds of things. But at the other end of the Dipsicus scale are people that are double-minded. They're vacillators. They go back and forth, up and down, in and out. Christians who believe today, but they don't believe tomorrow. They're up today, but they're down tomorrow. They don't have any consistency in their life. They're a Dipsicus, a double-minded Christian. Double-mindedness is similar to diacrino, vassalization. And you can see here clearly why some people have such enormous giftings, can't you? Uh, Wigglesworth, you know, John Lake, Sister Etter, Kuhlman, McPherson, A.A. A. Allen, or Roberts back in the day, right? You can see that because at that time when they were young, yeah, uh, McPherson and Allen and, and Or Roberts, you know, they didn't to do, do well when they got older. But when they were in their prime, when they were young, uh, they had no doubts. They, they could speak to the mountain and the thing would jump in the ocean. Why? Because they had no doubts and they stepped out on their faith before they got the answer to prayer materialized. Pesuo, they stepped out believing that they had received it even before they had actually received the answer to prayer. And you see the enormous power that these people have had, excuse me, and you can see clearly why born-again Christians, the vast majority of them, over 90% for sure, don't have this kind of anointing. They don't have this power. They've missed a mark because they're doubting because they're double-minded, because they're vacillating, because they didn't step out before the answer materialized or before it had completely materialized. Wigglesworth prayed, and he didn't sit there and wait for an answer. He knew he was going to get it, so he would make a move. A.A. Allen would roll the people out with cancer on the cots, on the stretchers, right? It was on TV. He had a TV show back in the day. And A.A. Allen had, you know, he took a look at him and found out what was wrong with him. He, he pulled his little mic out, and they would chit-chat for a few minutes. And then, boom, he would attack the disease, knowing the person was going to be healed. He already knew it. Um, you know, many, many, many years ago, decades ago, Amy Simple McPherson at Angulus Temple in downtown Los Angeles, it's a stone's throw from the Tommy Barnett's legendary Dream Center in Los Angeles, the hospital he took over. I think it's fantastic. And Angelus Temple was, is not too far from the Dream Center downtown there. And, of course, it's on the side of a mountain, kind of a hilly area. And the area used to slope down. It was on the northwest side of Angelus Temple. Once a month, you would have stretcher days. Stretcher day. And once a month, families would bring their sick and their disabled people on cots 
and in wheelchairs, and they would lay them on the mountain. And she would stand on an elevated platform and give a short message, and then she would ask, say, okay, it's time for healing. And boom, people were getting healed and walking off a of cots. Sister Etter would come into a town and set up a tent, and the whole town would get saved. The whorehouses would close down. The bars would close down. They didn't have drive through liquor back there, but if they did, that would have closed down. The uh, you know vaccination center would have closed down. Everything just shuts down when she came to. If Sister Edder came to town. Your your whole town's shutting down. Everybody getting saved. In one of her services, there were over three or four hundred people laying on the ground, crumpled in a heap when the Holy Ghost fell. Now, how come nobody has any power like that anymore? Well, I just told you. I, meaning I just read it to you, Sister Etter did not vacillate, diacrino, she do, she was not double-minded, dipsicus. She stepped out on her faith before she had the answer, the answer materialized, pistuo. She had total faith in God, pistis, with no doubts and no unbelief. It was pure pistis, pure pistis. And when she came to town, she already knew before she got there, the Holy Ghost was, was going to go on a rampage. And he was going to take the devil and just body slam him around the ring like Andre the Giant, grabbing two, a couple of 300-pound guys and throwing them over the top rail. It's that simple. But it's that hard. See, God told Or Roberts that he wanted to use him to heal the sick. And so Or Roberts rented out an auditorium for his first service. He told the Lord, listen, I need to have this uh, fee for the auditorium paid. He said, I need the place full, and I need demonstrated supernatural healings that cannot be explained away or doubted. That's what he told God. Three things. Got to have it. Well, the night showed up, and um, he goes preaches his little sermon on healing. Oral Roberts was not a very good preacher, very simple-minded guy. Cranked out a little prayer, some prayers and a little story about healing. Went through, you know, Matthew chapter 8, went over some of the miracles that happened. Jumps off the stage. Who wants to be healed? Well, the first person in line that night was an elderly woman who had a withered hand, just like that guy in the Bible Jesus ran into. And Or Roberts just reaches out and grabs her wrist and raises it in the air. The woman screams, and her hand clicks out to normal, right in front of everybody. People were gasping that saw it. Her hand just flicked right off, right open. Of course, in small towns, everybody knows one another. This was in Eden, Oklahoma. And then a whole line of people ran out there to get healed after they saw that woman's hand return to normal. And Roberts later said that not everybody got healed, but enough people got healed for people to realize, hey, this is a real deal. And his his uh, national ministry of divine healing started that, that night in the auditorium. Well, what was he doing there? He was 
he was moving out in faith, pastuo, and he had no doubts, diacrino. He was not vacillating back and forth about anything. He just stepped up. He was not a dipsicus. He was not double-minded. Was it this or that? Are we here or there? Should it go up or down? What? No. Solid. A.A. Allen, solid. Sister Etter, super solid. She was probably the most anointed human being that ever lived in the United States. Sister Etter, probably at the top. Amy had it, see? And you say, well, some of these people, they, they didn't turn out very good. Okay, yeah, I'm with you. I mean, Alan and Amy, yeah, Oral, you know, some of the others. Yeah, Jack Coe. Things didn't go well, well down the stretch, but I'm not talking about that. What I'm talking about are these scriptures and what's applicable to you as a born-again Christian. You can have God's miracle working power, right? I'm, I'm quoting one of Alan's books. God's miracle working power. Okay? You can have it, but you have to meet the conditions of Mark 11 and James chapter 1. And then in James chapter 1, 9, he puts the lid on the victory bucket. Here it is. He says, let the bro brother of low degree rejoice in that he is exalted. See that? What he's saying is, if you will repent and remove and release a femi, double-mindedness, diacrino, vassalization, doubting, if you will forgive and release the ought for others, if you will do that and not be like a wave in the sea driven by the wind and tossed, if you will do that, you are guaranteed to get God's miracle working power. But as you can see, it doesn't come cheap and it doesn't come without a cost. You have to make sure that you cover these points in this scripture that I've shared with you today. If you do not cover these points, your mountain isn't going anywhere. It's just going to sit there and stare at you. And you're going to have to learn with, to live with it. Right? you got to learn to live with it. What was the name of that movie where Clint Eastwood, was it Pale Rider or something like that? The man with no name, he comes into this town and he uh, he saves the town and there's three uh, criminals from that town that are about to get out of prison and they're going to come back to the town and, and Eastwood runs the citizens up one side down the other. He tells them to paint the town red and all kinds of stupid stuff. And this one short midget dwarf guy says to him, well, what do we do after we kill these three guys? And Eastwood looks at him and says, then you live with it. And the guy just stared back at him like dumbfounded. Well, that's exactly what you have to do if you do not do these scriptures in Mark 11 and James chapter 1. If you do not remove these things from your spirit, from your soul, from your mind, from your body, then you have to live with it. And it's not a pretty sight. You have to live with failure. You have to live with losing. And you have to live without the anointing of the Holy Ghost. Double-minded, vassalization, doubting, all leaves your mountain staring you in the face. 
and these mountains of our lives, the stuff we hate, the stuff we want to get rid of, the stuff we've been praying about for years and it's still there, these mountains are ugly and they're painful. They're heartbreaking. And people are sick of them. But in James chapter 1, it says, if you lack wisdom, go ahead and go ask for it from God because he already told you you could have it. I tell you, just go get it. It's yours. But you got to remember that. Always remember that. Knowledge does not replace experience. And I always use the same example. If you had a Bible scholar standing in front of you, and you had your cousin's 80-year-old grandma, a prayer warrior at the church, and you needed to be healed, who would you ask to pray for you? Well, nobody in your right mind would ask the Bible scholar to pray for you. They're literally worthless. You would go with grandma, and grandma would go in by herself and grab the horns of the altar and pray you down a miracle from God. You wouldn't go with the Bible scholar because knowledge, knowledge is never enough to replace experience and neither of them can replace wisdom. Wisdom is the most important thing. And once you've got knowledge and once you've got experience, if you add wisdom to that, you become an incredibly anointed, effective man or woman of God. And you will, you will go from a low degree to an exalted position as an anointed servant of the Lord, truly able to meet the needs of the people. I remember years ago, short story, this was in 2005. I had left my career as a secular counselor. I laid off all my employees. I shut my business down. And I was doing Christian counseling only. Well, a woman came to see me from a nationally famous prophetic ministry. She was a minister over there. I knew the person that um, ran that ministry. And uh, it was a nationally known ministry, one of the biggest in the country, prophetic ministry. This woman came over and I interviewed her. And uh, she didn't have any serious pathology. She, didn't, she wasn't mentally ill. She didn't appear to have any severe problems. She had some abuse as a child. She had a little bit of depression. I thought, well, okay, well, this looks like a pretty easy case. Uh, she's, she loves the Lord. She's already ministering at this national prophetic ministry. She's doing a good job. She's a really nice person. I didn't think anything of it. I thought this was a light-duty slam dunker, so I took her into my prayer room that I had at the old House of Healing in Phoenix, she lays down on the prayer bench, and uh, I thought, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray a nice prayer over her. Lord, I'm, I'm asking you to bless her. Uh, she looks like a good servant to me. And to my utter surprise, and I'll tell you, my mouth hit the floor. This woman started manifesting spirits. I couldn't hardly believe it, and initially it kind of scared me. I kind of jumped back from her. And I was back to the wall while this demon started pitching a fit. 
well, as soon as I saw that, I thought, my God, this woman's got severe demonic infestation. She wasn't possessed by any ma- imagination. Christians can't be possessed, but they can be infected. And so an hour and a half later, she was free. She had gone through this huge deliverance. And that was the day that changed my ministry significantly to this day when I realized that these kundalini spirits who impersonate the Holy Spirit and they give people fake feel-good manifestations and they tell everybody that what they're doing is from God, okay? And back in the day, that was back in uh, 2000, you know, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, back in that period of time, the prophetic movement was really taking off in the United States and people were seeing all kinds of weird things were happening. I had people come in and say that an angel was outside their house. He was 30 foot tall. I had some guy come out and say that uh, uh, an angelic being that was three foot tall uh, visited him in, in his living room one night. I had another guy come in and say that uh, he had gone to heaven and uh, that he had saw angels having a picnic. They were all having a picnic. And all kind of, there was one guy came in and said he they had, his church found a bunch of gold and um, some uh, minerals on the floor or something like that. I mean, it just went on and on and on. And I realized starting that day forward that these were not Holy Spirit miracles. They were kundalini miracles. Well, that woman that I saw that day went back to that nationally known prophetic ministry and told them what had happened to her and how wonderful she felt and how, and how relieved she was to have gotten delivered. And that entire summer, the summer of 2005, I mean the whole summer, three and four and five people a day came to see me for counseling and for deliverance. And these, these uh, people, it was absolutely amazing. They were good people. They loved the Lord. They had good gifts. They had good ministries. Just great people. Really great people. And they were loaded with these fake Holy Spirit demons. Kundalini spirits. One guy came in and he was vibrating like a tuning fork. Another guy came in and he was he had the hose. He had the he would do sit up crunches and go ho when he did it. And he said, I think that's the Holy Spirit. I said, Listen, you're deceived, that is not the Holy Spirit. And this went on all summer, all summer long. And that's when I realized that demons cause people to have diacrino. They vacillate back and forth. They cause them to be double-minded. They put thoughts in their mind. They cause them to doubt. They inject unbelief into their mind. They waver like waves in the sea. And the reason that they're doing that is because they read Mark 11 and James chapter 1, and they realized, they realized that if we can get these people to doubt, if we can get them to vacillate back and forth, will it work, won't it? Do you think, do you think that? What about this? What about that? If we can get them to doubt, we can keep the mountain that we put in their life right square in their face for the rest of their life. 
and we can torment them until the end. If you have faith and doubt not, you shall not only do that which is done unto the fig tree, but if you shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, it shall be done. And all things whatsoever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you shall have them. Brother Michael, powerful teaching today, my friend. Powerful. What shall we title this for the archive? Um, Move your mountains with pistis faith? What would be accurate? Yeah. Pistis, God faith, something like that. Okay. Good, good. What a great teaching. Hey, Michael, give out your contact information. How do people reach you and your ministry and support it? Well, we have, a, we have a counseling center there, the Arizona Deliverance Center. We're in the downtown area. We're on 15th Avenue, just south of Osborne Road. It's a red brick building. And uh, if you happen to live here locally or you're going to visit from out of state or out of town, just give me a call and I'll put you on the counseling schedule if you need counseling and prayer. 602-636-5800. You can send me an email. Mike at HardcoreChristianity.com or go to the website, obviously, HardcoreChristianity.com. And our our two Zoom services, uh, Tuesday and Wednesday, are on are online. And uh, you can come to our live services Thursday and Friday. It starts at 7 o'clock Pacific time. Here locally in Arizona, I'm on the radio. I've been on the radio for over 20 years here locally. If you happen to live here, you can catch me in your car when you're driving around on KXXT Christian Radio. That's 1010 AM. And I'm also on 1100 AM. That's not a Christian uh, station. That's a uh, conservative talk radio station. I'm on there every Sunday morning at 8 o'clock. And then right after that, if you'd like to, you could join me on Twitch.tv. I have a podcast where I teach the deep things of God on Sunday morning uh, at 9 o'clock. So my radio program on 1100 AM is on at 8 o'clock, and then the uh, podcast is at 9 o'clock on twitch.tv. Man, that is fantastic. Hey, before we close, i got to ask you a bonus question. Uh, growing up in Arizona, and I don't know your age, but were you ever, ever able to see the late A.A. A. Allen out at Miracle Valley or any of his tent crusades? No, I wasn't. He was gone before I, I got there. But uh, I'll tell you a funny story about that next time I, I'm on the show. Okay, that sounds good. Uh, HardcoreChristianity.com, folks, go over and check it out. Support the ministry. Great teaching, my friend. We'll see you next time. Love you. Thank you. Okay, love you too, brother. God bless. Folks, stay tuned. We're going to go and get uh, the Coens on next. Here we go. And I'm going to save this. We'll be right back. 